guys. Welcome to the 10th episode of Metallurgy. Today we're talking about Black Metal Part 2. This is Matt. This is Dino. This is Peter Madgren. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. So, uh, I, I think we should do a quick little recap of Black Metal Part 1. Cap it up. Cap it, cap it. Do it. Do it. Cap okay, it. so back in the 80s, style of music was uh, kind of boring. It was trashy, unpolished, fast tempo, raspy vocals, dark sounds, and satanic theme lyrics. Bands such as Venom released an album named Black Metal, which kind of gave the genre its title, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merciful Fate had its corpse paint, thanks to King Diamond. It's arguable. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Cooper. <laughs> 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 uh, Bathory uh, had the vocal style and guitar sounds. Hellhammer was raw and brutal, and mm-hmm. Celtic Frost experimental and kind of gave the whole genre popularity. Yeah, and I, uh, Celtic Frost also, I think, really um, brought in the symphonic elements that a lot of bands still use today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, again, all these bands kind of helped create a mold for the new black metal wave that started in the early 90s so anybody want to start take off on that yeah i mean i i think there's there was a lot of bands in the early 80s um that kind of popped up and you know some of the more famous death metal ones like entombed hypocrisy dismembered unleashed from sweden um you know you could talk about from the u.s cannibal corpse autopsy uh, Angel. death, obitch, you know, this goes on and on. Um, but I think we're mainly going to be talking about the band Mayhem in this episode. So, um, we were just talking earlier. We could, we, we don't know the start of this band. I think it just started like any other band. Yeah. There's probably nothing special to it. Just a bunch of kids listening to music and got into it and, Especially since during that time, um, there were already other bands like them in right. in Norway, like Dark Throne and Old Funeral, which turned into Immortal. There's Embryonic, which turns into um, Thou Shalt Suffer, which turned into Emperor. Yes. And, <laughs> but see, th- those all those all kind of came to be due to you know, everybody's starting to get more darker and darker in the style. And one thing I want to say also real quick is that Dark Throne were actually the people that really started, um, as far as black metal as a genre goes, like popularized the, the, um, the The, corpse paint by putting it on their, their covers. And they also had these super bleak covers that were like black and white with, instead of having artwork, it was like the band members. And they were like the first people to actually do that with, uh, with their artwork. I, I have a point on that actually. Okay. Uh, on on uh, corpse paint because uh, I was reading the book Lords of Chaos for a lot of my research, and they talked to one guy who started um, the Slayer magazine in 1985 in Norway. His name is Metallion. Um, he he was quoted a lot in the book and and interviewed a lot, and. He started this magazine by himself and kind of he thought he was like the only person who loved this stuff. Um, so that's why he did it. 
And he was quoted in saying that he thinks that corpse paint came around because of sarcophago, because Euronymous with uh, Mayhem was super into that band, and so much so that he wanted every band to wear in spikes and corpse paint because sarcophago did that, and um, and basically have the sound that they did as well. So uh, that's where he thinks it came from, I guess, at least within the the Norwegian black metal scene. Hmm. So just, I guess, a different perspective. But Dark Throne did have the first Nor- Norwegian black metal album that was produced. Right. Yeah, and by the way, what's funny is after they recorded that album, um, I want to say it was Peaceville that put it out originally. Uh, they actually didn't want to put it out, and so then he was like, well, fine, then I'll go ahead and I'll put it out on this other guy's label that I know of. But they had just been signed, and so Peaceville kind of said, and, and um, this is from one of the band members' perspectives, so maybe it's a little skewed, but Peaceville then said, like, well, we don't want to lose face by having signing a band and then having them, like, run off and release an album somewhere else almost right afterwards, so we'll yeah. put it out anyways. And then, you know, then their first album, like, you know, became a classic in the genre. A right? Blaze in the Northern Sky yeah. was the album. And Dark Thrones, I think, first, first album was Death Metal, but their second, like, their the true black metal one was A Blaze in the Northern Sky. Which has a really iconic, like I said, cover. Just the, you know, Yes. Even though the artwork's not the main focus. It's right. definitely part it's of... It's definitely uh, evil. Yeah. Evil. Evil. Um, so I feel like we, we mentioned, um, Mayhem, mm-hmm, right? right? Who were, who were some of the first members of Mayhem? Like, cause I, uh, or at least, I mean, I know Dead was, was a really, you know, famous singer, yeah. but he wasn't the first vocalist. For no, band. he wasn't. Um, Messiah for Messiah. their first demo, pure fucking Armageddon in 1986. But also, Euronymous did have some same vocals in the at the rehearsals in the very beginning oh yeah 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 and wasn't it wasn't that euronymous also that that started um playing his guitar with like a full sweeping pick yeah i i was trying to see where exactly the whole sound of black metal kind of truly started and it was like it was taking the the 80s sound and instead of playing power chords which are typically two to three notes um, on the guitar there were t- he was taking that and he was just playing all of them at once play all six strings yeah yeah as fast as you yeah. can and the results are haunting yeah <laughs> so i i mean it, who's to say that's how it truly came about i don't know but i mean my you, research everything i've seen says that that's where that started yeah. oh yeah? yeah yeah and and it was kind of inspired from bathory because Bathory, I think, would probably be the closest to the black metal sound from the 80s. Yeah. I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Bathory, in some ways, um, Quarthon's legacy is still, I mean, really easy to hear today. Right. And in, in almost any black metal album you hear, you're going to hear that influence from all the way back when 1983, 84, you know. Even yeah. today. Yeah. And just... Outright, a lot of band members saying that they're influenced by him. Yeah. Back to Mayhem. Uh, so after their first demo, Pure Fucking Armageddon, um, they they had a second demo called Death Crush, 
which was released in 1987, and Maniac was the singer on that one. And um, going back to Metallion, he uh, he recalls the first shows that he's seen and mayhem played very few live shows and in fact they played a lot of covers yeah and he remembers it just being very intense and like nothing you've ever heard i'm sure you know never being exposed to this music or very rarely finding bands that sound like it i'm sure it was pretty fucking intense they also had a, a, a really hard time uh finding gigs like they were they're like finding gigs in turkey they said they'll never play in Turkey again. Uh, like getting thrown off, getting thrown off uh, trains, trying to find gigs. God damn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was pr- pretty rough for them yeah. because they're playing the new music that, like, they're getting kicked off stage after playing four songs. So, because it, the music was so. No, oh, really. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Euronymous. Um, he actually he his first stage name was destructor yeah but changed it to something less comical and actually euronymous me is um greek for prince of death which is ironic <laughs> <laughs> um so after death crush uh dead um their third lead singer uh joined in 1988 yes and uh, he was a kind of a special guy he seemed like a tortured uh soul yes yeah yeah so his his name was uh per ingve olin mm-hmm. but they um, called him pele did they they did oh, okay yeah. pere i'll call him um so i guess he was he's really depressed he used to cut himself on stage in fact there was a um i believe that there was a uh, performance where they had like a pig's head mm-hmm, and he was mm-hmm. having trouble getting it on the stake and then he like used a, a bottle and he started cutting himself with like a broken bottle on stage yeah um yeah he also would throw a pig head and the crowd would leave because they were so disgusted yeah and by the way he cut himself so bad that like he went to the hospital and they were like, we can't stitch it together. It's been too long. And everyone just remembers how sickly he looked. Like he was, he looked like on the verge of death Fuck. because well, he lost so much blood. Considering his demeanor, that was probably one of his yeah. most enjoyable times of life. And and one other thing about that show is some other band members ate some of the meat off the pig heads, and they they got sick too because <laughs> it's starting to rot. Yeah. <laughs> You, should we talk about that a little bit? Because he's he's kind of an interesting cat. Talk yeah. about him. Okay, so wait, he. Let me start by saying one thing. He came from um, a band called Morbid, which was Entombed. Oh. That that band became an, Entombed. Interesting. And Hellhammer, that. who was in in Mayhem, says Entombed is shit. So I wonder if he still. This was in the book that I read, which was in the late '90s. So I'm wondering if he still holds that view now. Well. I mean, Hellhammer did a shitty job on Ensorte Diabole. So yeah, that's true. I don't really care what his opinion <laughs> is. Okay, so Dead. Quite an interesting name. Uh, he was actually fascinated with death at a very young age uh, from an ice skating accident where he almost died or he died at the hospital. Yeah, for he like died for a minute yeah. and it was resuscitated. Right. Um, he really did not like living um he 
he hated it so much he thought he was destined for the next greater thing and none of us know what that is he, he thought he wasn't fit for this world yes but for the next or didn't belong here he didn't belong here so and 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 part of that came from the visions of the afterlife that he had when he died so he he actually became he started hating cats because of their i guess um uh meaning in the afterlife like he would actually go in the where they used to live mm-hmm. where the band would live that he would go outside and try to shoot them with a shotgun and it actually became kind of a comedy act for the band because he never got to kill a cat but anyway <laughs> thank um, god yeah so <laughs> dead would actually put uh birds under his pillows and would bring squirrels in plastic bags so he can smell death hmm. um no one cannot deny that he was a great performer he definitely lived into his lyrics of death and torture um and he would go to great lengths to look in, looking like a corpse. He'd bury his clothes in the ground so they would have that look and smell of rot. Dumpy. Yeah. Man, so, you know, it's it's sad because hearing all this, it's like it just smacks of mental illness. You know? Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, not, to, not to, to stop you short, but just like, man, there's obviously a big problem happening. Right, you know? but also, I mean, the... Maybe his lyrics contribution made the difference. And his life actually helped propel black metal popularity and black yeah. metal as, as as a whole. Yeah. Unfortunately, they, they I heard a story from one of the band members that said that when Dead was a child, like a young infant, who would sleep so long that he would turn blue, and his parents couldn't wake him up like they'd have to go to extreme members to wake him up and they were saying they were alluding to like the fact that he just he just wanted to sleep and just die <laughs> which is funny because he probably just had apnea yeah he probably yeah. did <laughs> you know um i mean i i saw uh i think it was um hellhammer actually talking about him that he used to just like to like you know to escape he would play video games Mm-hmm. Or like you know, read or he he was really obsessed with like with drawing lots of really grim things. In fact, I think that the the shirt that he had on he had written something about um, Transylvania. Yeah, like he, I heart Transylvania. Yeah, I heart Transylvania on there. That's what um, he died in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wore that and then he shot himself with the shotgun. Um, so. And um, what's interesting is is uh, I was watching a documentary also um, that had a lot of footage of Varg. It's called uh, Until the Light Takes Us, which is kind of um, questionable. Lot, some people really like that documentary and other people really don't. Um, but Varg claims that he actually gave uh, the ammo that was used um, in that shotgun, in that suicide um, suicidal act, uh, to him a couple weeks previous. Yeah, uh, to, I read that. To him killing himself. Like, he asked him, he's like, hey, can I please get some ammo? And Varg was like, yeah, here you go. But Dad was also saying, like, oh, hey, guess what? I bought a really sharp knife. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, that's cool. And then, yeah, he's like, it's, re- it's really sharp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's Guys, like, I'm going to cut myself with this. It's sad because you've got this guy who, like, seriously needs to be hospitalized. And he's just around all, like, these, you know, these really... um 
in some ways also sick people. They <laughs> yeah. Just they just don't care about his well-being, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he dead dead uh, dead suicide could have, I think, really been prevented. Oh yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's real. Yeah. He's surrounded by people that just didn't seem to give a shit about him. That's what it sounds like. That's kind of sad. Yeah. So we're we gonna talk about the death now. Well, we kind of already did. I have yeah. a couple things leading up to it. Okay. A couple go of ahead. stories. Go ahead. Get some. Get some backstory. Um. Well, I guess before his death, uh, Hellhammer said that. Dead and and Euronymous didn't get along. They they had fights a lot, um, mainly <laughs> oh, yeah, about like some money issues, uh, the band not taking off, you know. And I think Euronymous was trying to be supportive and tell him that it was and had big visions for it. Um, he said the night before uh, Dead's suicide, um, he, Dead was talking to a friend and. They were. He remembers them talking about suicide, and then at the end of the conversation, Dead was like almost the happiest he's ever seen him. Like he left like smiling. <laughs> That's all I need, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, thank you. <laughs> so you're telling me it's fine. Uh, one other story about this was a house in ski. Norway, where it was kind of a remote location and where they used, uh, they lived in rehearsed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the band members lived there. And uh, one of the fights that Euronymous and Dead had was uh, Euronymous played some shitty synth music all the time. Yeah. And Dead fucking hated it. And yeah. so one time he just gets up and they're like, fuck this. And he takes his pillow and he goes to sleep out in the woods. <laughs> and when he's out there fucking Euronymous takes a shotgun which I think is the one that he ends up shooting himself with mm-hmm. and starts shooting out at birds out there and fucking Dead's like are you serious? I can't even fucking go to sleep out here in the fucking woods <laughs> yeah that's pretty brutal wow oh, man Jesus Christ man. but yeah if you wanna so, uh, dead was actually found dead, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, he slit his wrists and throat, and then apparently was walking around the house for a little bit, just not dying quick enough. Not dying quick enough, I guess. And he took a shotgun and decided to pull the trigger, and ended up with a fatal wound to the head. I think half his skull was gone. Yeah. And actually, uh, so you, nobody was at the house at the time this happened. Allegedly. Ele- exactly. Allegedly. <laughs> okay. We all did different research and we all kind of came up with different stories every, as a whole. Every murder we're going to talk about, multiple murders yeah. here, probably has a slightly different um, story from each of us. Right. This is the only one, though, where I, there's not a lot of story. No one really said that. Well, Varg, Varg um, um, was basically, he said that uh, Euronymous was actually a suspect originally yeah. in, oh. uh, in him being shot, uh, probably because of details I'll let Matt um, talk about. But uh, apparently he, his alibi was that he was out of town 
right. at the time. And he actually didn't have keys to the house. I think he was relying on dead being alive when he got back to, like, <laughs> to let him into the house. Yeah. So um, he had to like crawl into through a window, and then he found him dead. And then Matt, you want to talk about? What yeah. He found? So so Euronymous would again. The, the story I kind of heard was he was out of town, but also everybody else was not in the house besides dead. Mm-hmm. Only dead was there. So Euronymous kind of calls up Necro Butcher and goes, "Hey, dude, I need to get in the house. Are you home?" He goes, "No." So Euronymous crawls through a window, I think on the second story or something, some crazy. And um, he finds dead laying there. Dead. Yeah. Um, so um, apparently, Euronymous, instead of calling the cops, wants <laughs> to seize this opportunity and go get his camera or go buy a camera and take pictures of dead. And he actually rearranges some of the objects in there <laughs> to get the perfect picture. In, oh really? The picture. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, the picture is actually used for the. Um, uh, it was the next EP, right? No, it was it was. Uh, God, what was it called? It was a bootleg album called Dawn of the Blackhearts. Mm. And if you look at this album, the uh, the version I saw it looked like somebody colored it in to kind of cartoon it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, it's sad because you're actually looking at the scene i actually have that album oh you do yeah did you get it from Corey? yeah i did oh shit <laughs> Corey hooks me up with the good yeah. stuff okay. he looks yeah. Talk about. love that guy gonna miss him when he leaves um so yeah euronymous kind of makes a scene takes a picture and um a couple pictures actually and i th- he has hellhammer developed the, f- the film yes mm-hmm. he did um, but yeah, he, he was actually, again, before the cops were called or maybe even after he was calling the band members and said, dude, dead's dead. I got pictures of it. And people were like, what are you talking about? Why are you on the phone with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, did, why did you take pictures? Go destroy him. Destroy those pictures. I think everyone, I just get this feeling that everyone's just apathetic, like whatever, man, well, I don't fucking care. <laughs> You know, I, I kind of disagree because on the, the Mayhem documentary, Pure Fucking Mayhem, uh, you know, Necro Butcher, he actually took a moment because he seemed like he, he missed the guy. You know, it's kind of hard to see a fellow band member, you know, fall off the face of the earth. And by the way, I mean, in, in everything I've read, really, it's all sort of been from the perspective of like, of like Hellhammer or Varg. Right. Um you know, or in some cases, like people in other bands that were just sort of aware of of the people in Mayhem, but didn't really have a close relationship with them. Um, Necro Butcher never came up, and you know, so he may have a very different sort of um, personality style, or or, or yeah. some different thoughts on what was going on at the time. Right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, in the documentary, he he it, he seemed like he took a moment to kind of like like hey, remember him? Yeah, I missed the guy. Yeah, it, it sucked. The, the the poor guy was surrounded by people that just didn't, you know, they weren't they weren't really seeing the signs or they didn't care to yeah. pay attention. I I actually think they were so caught up probably in the music themselves that they didn't. Again, that's me. What's weird is like they were in their like early mid twenties, right? And I couldn't imagine somebody I know killing themselves 
when I was in my early mid twenties and my first idea being like, well, let's take a picture from my album cover. Right. We were working on our album at that time. Oh, I mean, Dino, I know you've got a couple a little extras on, on this area also. Oh, um, I was going to add a couple things. Just, uh, the fact that, okay. It, they say that Euronymous ate some of his brains. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's a rumor. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think anyone knows if he did. He did take parts of the skull and make it into necklaces. Yes, I think Hellhammer wears one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he gave he he would send pictures and give bone fragments to those deemed worthy. Was how I read it. Oh. In my research, so you yeah. had to be worthy enough to have Dead's skull. Yeah, and and apparently Euronymous, or this is from Hellhammer. Uh, Euronymous wanted to chop off one of Dead's arms and place it under glass and preserve it, but he thought that the police would wonder where his arm was. So that's a good thing he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like there's little things like that in the book. Like really, <laughs> you it's... had to think about that. <laughs> yeah, because then that definitely shifts the crime into your hands. <laughs> no, I swear to God, he was dead before I got here. And his arm just yeah, it's gone. I think he chopped his arm off, <laughs> and then he used the other one to shoot himself. <laughs> he threw it in the woods somewhere. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a hard story to cover. God damn, dude. Yeah, so I mean, the reason why we're talking about this is because it gave press. Oh yeah. To the black metal scene. Yes. And Euronymous used this as a kind of point to brag about almost, and just stated that you know. They're like they're true, and there's all these hacky bands. And Dead died because he wanted spikes and black, and like right. he was sick of all the posers, which isn't true. No, he just what was mentally ill and needed help. It was also <laughs> mentioned that uh, Johannes would say that Dead died because the music's brutality killed him. <laughs> Something along those lines. No, no wonder Varg killed that fucking guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so Euronymous was kind of an interesting guy, too. So, yeah, he... he so, Dead's death was prior to Euronymous opening up a record shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, not prior. Wait, what did I just say? Yeah, he died like he literally, died, yes. literally one month before yeah, the, the right. shop opened. Yeah, and so Euronymous is now in a so hold, like hold, kind of a sick like frenzy, thinking that mayhem. Hold on. Is, so I just want to. So just to be extra specific. Yeah. Dead died in April. Right. And the shop opened in like May June on okay. the cusp. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Euronymous took uh, dead suicide, and and he went into like a fury or rage that um mayhem is the darkest most evil band in the world and um it was was kind of a madness he went to into so he he opens up a record shop in uh, was it oslo yes yes yeah which means hell yes and um and actually also opened up a Pawn shop. No, no it's, it's, it's a record label. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Death Like Silence. Death By the like, way, yeah. I, you guys have seen pictures of, of Helvetia, right? 
Oh uh, yeah, I've seen some. It's like yeah. such a cool looking shop. I would totally buy albums there. So yeah, Hirano's his idea of the shop was that he wanted it all black so people would walk around with torches. That's how you search for yes. albums. <laughs> I would totally shop there. I know. Right? So I cool. wish it was like Did oh, it come man. with cloaks because that would be even better. I'd steal them. <laughs> Apparently, when you first walked into the store, there was a woman mannequin wearing a cloak. Okay. And I want to say that mannequin was wearing a chunk of dead skull, but I'm not really sure. I think I, yeah. I might be misremembering Would not that. surprise me <laughs> yeah. in the slightest. So, yeah, Euronymous opens up a record label, and the record label itself um, actually, again, helped fuel more black metal because... Uh, was uh, the record label that didn't want to sign Peaceville? Peaceville. So a lot of record, uh, a lot of record labels are like, "Oh, black metal. What is that? Ill. You know, people are not going to listen to this." So Euronymous kind of is like, "No, I'll, I'll kind of. I'm going to help the scene. I'm going to do this." So he opens up a record label, and it kind of helps uh, more bands release their material to be heard. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of another stepping stone. Of he uses Mayhem's popularity from Dead's uh, suicide, mm-hmm. and uses it to to uh, to kickstart some yeah. more black metal. Yeah, oh, I just want to go back to that that shop's appearance, and apparently Christians like when they walked in there, they were afraid of it. But I think to most metalheads at the time, it looked almost comical. Yeah. 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 I, I know that it had like blackened windows and I think red paint on the door that said Helvete, but it was, you could mistake it with like, um, like brothels and, yeah. and, and it massage a, parlors in the area. Yeah. It was a poorer part of town. But it was, and it was only one room of a house, mm-hmm. of a, of a big house that, um, that Euronymous rented, I guess. So it was yeah. pretty small. So so that's something that's interesting is that um, Varg actually at this point is is connected with him. Yes. And he's sleeping in like the basement area of the shop. And then Euronymous is actually sleeping in the shop too. But what he would do is there was like, I guess, a crawl space in the ceiling. Oh. And so he would just push up the crawl space and he would sleep in the ceiling of the shop. Oh, really? And then, yeah. And then he would crawl back down. He was a bat. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because you've got Varg and Euronymous uh, living in the same spot in this, you know, really small record uh, store. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of uh, black metal people stayed there. I think Samoth stayed there for a while. It was just kind of like a hostel almost. Yeah, it, it, he had described it as a place for the black metal elite to uh, con- congregate. Yeah. yeah, and that's actually a theme in a very particular set of people in the black metal scene, which is that like it's focused on uh, being better than other people, being elite, putting other people down, right? Um, you know, and having this sort of mindset that there there's such a thing as superior people. And that inferior people aren't worth your time, which is probably part of why Dead was able to kill himself so easily. Um, it's probably some of that mindset. Well, uh, I mean, the 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 whole um, 
theme of black metal is to spread hatred, terror, and evil. So, mm-hmm. I mean... So, I would like to talk a little bit about Varg, since he's been brought up officially at this yeah. point. Which is that, um, so Varg is very anti-Christian, obviously, and he's very anti-Christianization. Uh, and he seems to, in interviews, he equivocates uh, Christianization and Christianity uh, for some reason with America and Americanism. So he directly like connects corporatization and Americanization, things like McDonald's or like anything like that, um, with Christianity and the Christian message. Right. And so when he was younger, he would stockpile ammo and weapons. And he and his friends, um, he was quoted as saying, like, hoped for and honestly believed that there would be a third world war that would break out. And he (laughs) wanted to destroy everything that was and rebuild a completely new system, like a whole new society. And he would, like, he remembers when McDonald's opened up in his town, he would, like, wait till like you know late and he would just like destroy all the windows he'd just take his guns and shoot out all the windows and the mcdonald's that opened up in his area um and sounds like pretty telling things yeah from a young individual yeah um and i kind of wonder who his friends were because he said you know we believed my friends and i believed and this is pre-mayhem pre-music and stuff this is growing up Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm kind of wondering who these other people were. Also. Yeah, are they famous now? You never know. Who knows, man? I mean, maybe he was the ringleader of a group of people, or maybe he's he doesn't really quite seem in interviews to have a, a good grasp on reality. No. Um, so it's also possible that when he's talking about that, he's like thinking of friends he had at the time that didn't have that mindset and we're just sort of like yeah okay Varg's saying crazy shit again like just nod and walk away kind of thing um but yeah um something really interesting to note also is that he uh he wasn't a satanist no he he wasn't he wasn't a satanist he says Euronymous wasn't a satanist None of those guys were actually Satanists when any of this stuff was going on. Euronymous was actually a self-proclaimed communist. Wonderful. <laughs> As if that didn't have enough like going against it. You gotta <laughs> I, have Euronymous. And like Marxist-Leninist com- communist. I mean, you know. We, we can get into that later. Yeah, There's a mindset behind yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to give a little bit of background on Varg since now he's sort of officially entered the story. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Varg's grandmother um, lent Varg the money to record his first album. So we can thank his grandmother for Black Metal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That wonderful old, or yeah, sure, why not? Wonderful old woman. Um. So Varg actually, he met everyone in the black metal scene through a Morbid Angel concert in uh, 1991, um, which also there was grave desecrations linked th- to that meeting. Interesting. Wow. A- and I didn't it's, know that. it says like at the night of, but then Varg was interviewed later and says, oh no, that happened the day before. But he didn't say that they didn't do it. They just did it the day before. 
<laughs> what kind of desecrations are we talking about? I don't know. It mentions it several times in the book, but it doesn't give details. So Dead was alive when this was happening. Uh, no, this was 91. This was when he died. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This was when Helvete opened and all that. Yeah. Um, but Euronymous really enjoyed Varg's music. He listened to it, was very inspired. They both got along great. They did. Um, and Varg was a very charismatic person. So I think... I think he was able to do a lot of this stuff. Like, even though he didn't doesn't seem like he's in touch with reality now, mm-hmm. I think he was charismatic to impressionable teenagers. I think he's still quite charismatic. Seeing him in oh yeah, because he's very he has a conviction in what he's saying. You That's know? true. Yeah, like he honestly believes what he's saying. And so, unless you're like really like actively listening, it's easy to to sort of not pick up on on the differences in, in what's being said as the story's coming out. Yeah, because the guy just is so like, you know, he's just dead set on what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. I so Varg was kind of in the scene at that point, and I think he was used on Mayhem's um, third album. Is that right? Yeah, and then uh, also used as a bassist for, uh, was it Old Old Funeral? Yeah. So Immortals' first band. Um, So he was around, uh, everyone was meeting. I think they used Helvete as kind of a a meeting place uh, to get together, to talk, to kind of hang out. Um, Does anyone have any? Yeah, so um, around this period of time... Um, we have, uh, Aethon, who is, uh, Faust, and, um, an emperor, and also, uh, Thorns, Mm -hmm. uh, and he starts working, um, like around August 1992, or maybe a little earlier, at Helveta, um, and he, he, him being there is gonna be important, uh, really shortly in the story, and also, um, Justin, um, seeing interviews and stuff with Hellhammer. Hellhammer used to talk about people coming into the shop and being like really starstruck by um, all these, you know, people in Mayhem and, and Varg. And, and he just used to talk about really looking down on those people and how uh, they didn't really like any of those guys coming in. Um, yeah, so they had sort of this really um, like holier than thou mentality. Yeah, and I think even the music that they had there for sale, and I can't even remember what it was specifically, but I It was know. like early Bathory records and um, Venom and stuff like that. Yeah, but what was some of the stuff where it was for, like, posers? Because I know Euronymous wanted to stock it with things like Judas Priest, but there was more things in there that, you know, he thought was below him or the other people in the shop to listen to. And I can't remember them specifically, but I was like, I remember seeing them and being like, it's not that bad. I know that he didn't like Deicide. I know that he didn't like death metal bands. Actually, yeah, uh, the Norwegian uh, black metal scene actually really disliked death metal. Yeah, so I'm. it's like, if that place was stocked with death metal, <laughs> like old school death metal, be like, wow, they really thought that was being a poser? Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that there definitely there's like a lot of skewed perspectives on things. Yeah, yeah. These guys. 
And, uh, yeah, Euronymous, um, he, uh, uh, let me just go into a quick description of him. Um, so he dressed all in black. He dyed his hair black. He had long, a long era, uh, aristocratic must, uh, mustache, long hair, knee-high boots, uh, black leather biker jacket with badges. I'm assuming metal badges. Um, he was slim, but his height was hardly imposing. But whenever he would talk to these posers, um, he would sound very stern, very serious, and a lot of people said verging on theatrical. Um, and he would do this, do his best to maintain this to quote unquote outsiders. But once he found out that someone was cool, he was basically like a child. Like, uh, he was very enthusiastic and hardly appeared evil and would act like an overgrown kid. So just, I, I and that kind of almost reminds me of Varg's description as well. Well, it's weird because here they are stocking a record store for posers when right there, aren't you calling yourself a poser? <laughs> and he, he loved German electronic music. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here, here, here's the thing. Um, but I think actually a lot of people in the black metal scene actually um, like electronic music from from what I've read. But um, you know, the thing is, is that uh, I think Euronymous doth protest too much with the poser thing because I think he was kind of a poser, especially when it comes to adhering to the strict standards that he set out for mm-hmm. how black evil metal. you should be and black metal yeah. and all that. Which really gets set home when Varg confronts him about not burning down churches yeah. with, with him and other people that he was commanding as Count Grishnak. Um So basically, yeah, I mean, uh, the way Hellhammer tells it is Varg just kind of was like, well, you know, if you're not against burning down churches, why don't you come with us and burn down some churches? Yeah. And then Euronymous uh, was like, oh, okay. Um, I guess I'm being forced to go burn down churches now because up until that point he was like, yeah, go burn down the churches and come back and talk to me about how, you know, how, what was it like burning down a church? And Varg was like, you know, why don't you put your fucking money where your mouth is, Mr. Evil and come burn down some fucking churches. And I, I actually, I never heard of Euronymous actually going with them ever. Yep. He went to one church burning. It was him, Faust and Varg. For more tales of murder, mystery, and mayhem from the early black metal days, just mosey on over to the next episode.